beautiful people. I am back again with um, another podcast. This one is coming straight from the heart. I randomly got inspired tonight to talk about this topic. Um, So, yeah, I'm going into this podcast um, just all from my heart. You know, nothing is um, pre-written or anything like that. It is a gorgeous, gorgeous Sunday night. And God really put on my heart tonight to speak about this subject, God is alive. And I just want to repeat that again. God is alive. I have always grown up in a Christianity um, or Christian household. When I was younger, my grandmother used to take me to church. I knew about Jesus. I know about the Bible. But I didn't really know. I remember being young, like a teenager, and I would pray to God. But I always looked at God. First of all, I was like 50% like, I don't even know if he's real for real. And the other 50%, I was like, okay, if he is real, he's like this far off thing that I can't reach, that I can't touch, that I can't talk to. And going forward, most of my podcasts and everything that I say, everything that I write, as I will always say, is built on the foundation of my faith. Every little ounce of wisdom or guidance or lesson or anything that I have to share with anyone, God once taught me. So that's why I have to talk about where the foundation of my faith come from, where it was birthed from, where it was born from, because I am not a religious person at all. I do not believe in religion. Actually, in the Bible, every religious person literally went against the teaching of Jesus. You know what I mean? They were so focused on the rules that they wasn't focused on spirituality. They wasn't focused on the reality of God. They was focused on the law, the book, their perception of who they believed God to be and didn't accept God for what he was. Every religious person in the Bible, read your Bible. Um, the cast, not the first stone. You know, this lady had committed adultery in the Bible and all these religious people were trying to stone her. And God said, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Basically, if any one of y'all ain't made no mistakes in life, then y'all can judge her for her mistakes. But religion says we as humans get to condemn and convict people when in fact that is God's job. I always say that religious people don't like to serve God. They want to be God. I always say that. And you can always spot a religious person by that simple principle. Are they serving God or do they want to be God? So one thing that being close to God has taught me is humility um, and realizing that whatever perception I have of God, he is who he is and the truth is the truth. You know what I mean? And that I have to be careful how I portray him, especially as a um, a Christ believer. I have to be very careful how I portray God because I can I can distort the image of God in somebody else's eyes. You see what I'm saying? So I just want to talk about this. I really want to talk about this. I want to tell my testimony. I want to talk about the reality God and the reality of God and how he lives all around us and how the like the first time I ever heard his voice so I am only 21 years old I am now a mother God has brought me so far in my life I have finally reached a place in my life 
where I am completely done with my past. I will say for the last four years, since I've gotten out of high school, I've been walking in circles around my past, fighting back and forth with the woman I was, the woman I want to be, um, trying to figure out who I was in the present. And I have finally gotten to this place where God has not completed like the transformation in my life, but I know there's certain things that I can't go back to that I don't want to go back to that I did. Like I know that I know there's some parts of me that have died. You see what I'm saying? I know there's some things and some emotions and some traumas and some hurts that can't affect me anymore. Like I know there's some behaviors in other people and past relationships that I might have allowed that just can't be, you know, that 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 can't be something I accept now as the woman I am in this moment. And I say in this moment because I'm constantly changing and evolving. This is one of the benefits and one of the hardships of following Jesus is that all you can say is that, you know, the woman I am in this moment, the person I am in this moment, because God is always going to call you to the next level, to the next level, to the next level. And I just want to say one of the quotes that I recently just um, wrote in one of my new self-help book that I just published a few days ago, it says that um, God's expectation of you is confirmation that you are capable if God has an expectation on you that is confirmation that you are capable I um I don't like to really say certain things because I don't want them to come off wrong like I am um dissing my family or anything I know that my family loves me and that um you know what I mean they cared about me but I didn't really have a lot of expectation on me growing up You see what I'm saying? Nobody was expecting me to do great things. Nobody was expecting me to be anything. Nobody was motivating me, pushing me, or even telling me to to prepare for my future. When I was a teenager in high school, nobody told me that one day I would be an adult. I was a child, as I said in my first podcast, as a child, we are not spiritually aware. So all I was thinking is, okay, this present is this present. That's all that matters. Nobody told me, maybe you should start preparing for your future. Maybe you should do this. Maybe you should do that. I didn't have expectation on me um, growing up. And when I had my first encounter with the true living, alive God, not the God, you know, that a lot of people see God as this like thing that you can't touch. When I had a true encounter with the God that saw me face to face, that spoke to me, he had an expectation of me. And for a long time, that expectation felt like a weight. It felt like a goal that I could never reach. And I felt so down on myself. I felt like I could never meet the expectation of God. But now that I've seen how far that he's brought me and I have proof as I have my past as proof that I can persevere, that I can become the woman he is calling me to be, that expectation, I see it as a compliment. You know, I see it as confirmation. God would not tell you, I want you to be this healed person you know, as you're broken and you think, oh, I can't be, I can't possibly be healed if I'm, if I'm used to being broken. If, if this is the appetite, you know, of my choice and, and all I know are things that are broken and everything around me is broken and everything I have an appetite for is brokenness. I don't know how to be healed. You have this expectation of me to be healed. I can't reach that, but God, God's expectation is confirmation that you are capable. And I talk about that in my self-help book. But like I was saying, God had an expectation of me and God expectations. Once we meet them, he elevates them to the next level. So I am constantly going to be changing, evolving, et cetera, et cetera. And if you follow God, if you choose to follow God, like I said, that's one of the pros and cons about following him. 
once you master one thing, you would have to master the next. But as I was saying, when I was younger, um, I saw God as this unreachable thing that I couldn't, you know, talk to or connect with. And God completely broke what I like to call that third wall. You know, if you're watching a television show, um, it's, I don't know if it's called the third wall, the fourth wall, but whenever the person on the TV talks directly to the audience, that is called breaking the fourth wall. And God is kind of like that. And as I just said that, I just got chills. Could you imagine, you know, watching TV one day and then the character that you're watching on TV looks directly at you and say, hey, I see you watching me so-and-so your name. That would give you goosebumps. That would give you chills. That would literally spook you out. And that is who God is. And I will never forget at 18 years old, seeing that fourth wall, third wall, whatever it's called, break in my life. It completely blew my mind. Um, I don't feel comfortable just yet telling the like real details of my testimony. But long story short, I was in my car one day and all of my sinful choices had come to a head, Um, you know, just being wild, being young, you know, living that fast life. um, It came to a head and I sat in my car and I cried. I was 18 years old, two or three months out of graduating high school, just got dumped by the boyfriend that I was with at the time you know, lost all my friends, was smoking weed every day because it was the only thing that I felt like could get me through the day. It was a vice. It was an addiction in my life. I couldn't function without it. It almost caused me to not graduate high school. Um, I just was sitting in my car and like all of those things I just said was bad, but this one decision that I made was really bad. Like, I mean, like completely changed my life bad forever. And I came to God and and something in me, and that's the thing, when you have been chosen by God, something in you is, is will activate when it's your time to realize him on this earth. Just a few days ago, I was, ta- I was thinking about the complexity of life. The fact that, you know, once you know God is real, he revealed himself to you, you realize that you had a life before this earth, right? Every single person that exists on earth and in heaven existed before the foundations of this world. During Adam and Eve, angels existed, etc., etc. So I existed. I look at my daughter who is five months old. Just five months ago, she was in heaven. She was an angel. She has now been birthed into this earth realm. And when she dies, she will return to the earth. And if you guys know in the book of Revelations, God talks about how there will be a new earth and a new heaven once he is ready to, you know, completely destroy this one. That's a whole nother, that's a broader topic for today. You know what I mean? But that's three different lives. You know what I mean? And I just was thinking about how I lived a life before this earth as an angel in heaven. I've experienced heaven. I knew God and and God knew me. And that is why the Bible says, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Not as I formed you in your mother's womb, I got to know you. Before. So before you was birthed in your mama's womb, there was a before. Before you lived in heaven. You see what I'm saying? You was an angel of angel of God and you and you lived in, in that realm. You lived in the spiritual realm. God birthed you in the earth. You know, you are called by your parents' name, whatever name they gave you. God has a plan for your life on this earth, and it's for good. And then also, when you die from this earth, he has a good plan for you after. 
So that's three different lives. And I believe that I'm not going to get into um, like being chosen and stuff like that. But I do believe that when you are God, it's something that he puts inside of you when you come to this earth. That he has a set time in, 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 in the earthly realm of time to activate it, you know? So it's almost like putting a switch in, in the inside of us. Some people don't meet Christ until they're 30. Some people don't meet Christ until they're 18 like me. Some people grew up, you know, knowing Christ as children. You have little kids that, that have stories about seeing God. It's this little boy who said that he died and went to heaven. You know what I mean? I don't know if y'all seen the movie, Heaven is for Real. Literally, it's children who have encountered with God. You know, young adults, older people. Some people don't get saved to the very end of their lives. But whenever God decides to activate that switch, nevertheless, you have a switch on the inside of you. And at the age of 18, God activated that switch. I don't know what in me caused me to say these exact words, God have mercy on me. I was crying in my car, literally car filled with you know marijuana smoke the the drugs weren't doing it anymore it wasn't subsiding the pain I was at my wits end something in me told me to call out for mercy and I was recording myself now I used to be so heavily addicted to weed that you know because I bought it so much I didn't often have a lot of money to keep buying it because I bought it a lot so I would record myself smoking so when I couldn't have it I could watch myself smoke so it could get me to my next high. I was recording myself and I just so happened to have something go on and I started crying. Something in me told me to call out for mercy and my phone screen where I was at, it was summer and I was parked in the shade because it was summer, the sun beaming. I parked my car behind this abandoned school and it was under this huge tree. It was all shade. And the more I called out for mercy, um, I start to feel God's presence, you know, coming to the car as soon as I called out for mercy. But I vividly remember the more I called out for mercy and cried to God, a, 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 a white halo started to form over my head, right? The halo got brighter and brighter and brighter. And I specifically said these words. I said, I wish there was a way that God can show me that he is here with me without scaring me. And the moment I said that, my complete phone screen went white. And I mean the purest white that I had ever seen in my life. This was not a normal white. It was the purest white light. And I mean my entire, I still get goosebumps talking about it. The purest white light. My phone was just covered in it. And I knew it was God. I knew it was God. And right after I said that, you know what I mean? God is so beautifully intentional. I have so many like specific little stories like this, but this was the first time I knew God was real. I knew God could hear me and I knew God, you know, had plans for my life. And all of this is this whole podcast is just going to be talking about the revelation of the fact that God is alive. He is not this untouchable entity that that you can't talk to, that's unresponsive, that and I'm going to actually counteract every claim that that God is not real. And I'm going to try to get through all this before this podcast is over. But girl, we about to talk about this, okay? But my complete phone screen went white and my life changed from that day forth. It stayed white for like five minutes. And after me and God finished having that moment, 
it went back to normal like that. Literally, just playing back to the normal camera screen. And I knew at that moment that God was real. And that was just the first revelation that God had ever shown me. Um, I also had gotten to this really bad car accident. The age of 18 was just a tough year for me. Every year after 18 was harder in its own way, but 18 was hell for me. I mean, it was a terrible year, but I had ended up getting into a really bad car accident a couple months later. I remember the date. It was November 2nd. Um, just a really bad car accident. I was coming home from work one day and I was like, I was like literally around the corner from my house and, um, the light was getting ready to change yellow. I wanted to make the light before it changed. So I sped up and I did have the right of way, but this huge van like turned in front of me. Like as soon as my car got in the middle of the street, it's almost like he just waited till I got in, you know, close enough for him to hit me. Long story short, um, I got into this car accident and you know, me being a teenager, I didn't care about my health, the fact that I was alive. I'm just like, oh my God, my car, it was my first car. I had wanted a car since I was in high school. It was like this big goal of mine that I've always wanted, saved up for it, everything. Um, so yeah, I ended up getting it as a graduation present. So I was very sad about the car. And I got out the car, my mom, she, you know, they took me straight to the ambulance and the ambulance. Um, so you know, my mom wasn't with me. All I cared about is the car. But my mom told me that when she went into the accident scene, because she, you know, I had called her when I got into the accident. Like, mom, I got into an accident. Before she can get to me, the ambulance had took me to the hospital. So she ended up going to the crash scene. And when she went there, she literally sent me a picture of the car. And she was like, people that get into a car accident like that don't make it back. Like, they don't make it. And in the picture, it was a slash of white light in the picture, like right on the car. It was this like little slash of white light in the car, similar to the light that I saw. Also, when I got into the car accident, literally as the car accident happened, I was listening to a sermon by T.D. Jakes. <laughs> because, you know, at this time, God had revealed himself for me. It was a couple months after that revelation. So we were bonding, getting close, et cetera, et cetera. I was literally listening to a sermon, got into a car accident, and God told me, don't worry about it. And I ended up getting a better car, and I ended up getting compensation for that car accident. I ended up getting a payout for $17,000 for that car accident. So God doubled my doubled my blessing, you know, for, for that experience. He was trying to teach me something, to trust him. You know what I mean? And the enemy was trying to, you know, attack me and, and discourage me and etc but I will give one one last one and this is just one of many um I'll give two and I'll make them quick just a few months ago I'll give one about a few months ago just a few months ago uh, me and my child's father had broken up um, this was the beginning of 2021 I was really really down and sad I decided to go get myself a hotel room for the night I woke up the next day and I had seen that he was like on social media flirting with other women already. It had only been like a week. I was like, what, 9, 11, 12 months pregnant with his child. And that broke my heart. You know, the fact that, you know, this relationship had ultimately ended because he had, you know, did wrong by me. And I finally stood up for myself and I said, no, I'm not going to be the one to fix it this time. And I didn't fix it and it just never got fixed. So he just went on, you know what I mean? And started flirting with other women and it hurt me because here I am pregnant with his child and I woke up that morning and I cried the first thing I did I opened my eyes and I cried and in that moment 
God knew and understood how grieved my heart truly was. I struggled with like rejection and abandonment issues. So it just was us and, and, and self-esteem issues. So it slaughtered my heart. And I was sitting there pregnant and I felt so alone. I don't have friends or none. You know, I didn't have none of that. All I had in that moment was God and God was all I needed. By later on that day, I had took myself to go see a movie. I was so full of joy, so full of life. I've seen the Bible verse that um, the joy of the Lord is our strength. I've lived that. I've seen God come into, you know, come into the room with his presence and completely change the way I felt. Literally, I went from crying to taking myself to the movie to feeling full of joy. You see what I'm saying? He was there for me in that moment. And that might not sound as profound and deep to you, but being the person that lived through it, I know how I felt. I know how sad I was. I know how deeply grieved I was. And I also know how full of joy I was when God came into that moment with me. And the last revelation is just to show you how detailed and and beautifully kind God is. I have so many stories. Like the fact that he told me that I was having a girl. My daughter was will be a girl before I found out she was a girl. Like God speaks to me all the time. But my 19th birthday fell on a Sunday. And, I, you know, I didn't have friends. I wasn't in a relationship at this time. Because when God is taking you through transformation, he isolates you. And I, you know, I wasn't doing anything. I just was going out to eat. And that morning I was going to go to church. And... Um, I had started going to church around this time of my life in 2019. So when I went to church one time, they sung this song and it made me cry because I thought back to, you know, the moment in the car that I just told you about in the car accident and how far God had brought me. And God knew that was my song. Like that song right there just always just did something to my heart. And it was my 19th birthday. And I went to church with this guy that I had met at church at the time. And, you know, we were sitting in the the, um, pews. And literally, like, literally, the, the church sung that song on my birthday. It was almost God's way of telling me happy birthday. It was God's way of telling me that he loves me, that he sees me. So I have all different types of revelations with God. I have ones that he showed Him pre- his presence to me in a way that wouldn't scare me. I've seen him comforting me. Oh, my gosh. God has been there for me every moment. I can't name one moment. I've been down, depressed, and God did not show up. I had that experience. I also have loving experiences where God was in the details. You know what I mean? I don't think it was a coincidence that I went to church that day on my birthday and they sung that one song that I really love. It was God's way of saying, I see you, daughter. I love you, daughter. Happy birthday. This is the day that I birthed you into this earth. And, you know, it just it just warmed my heart to know that God loved me that much. I have been completely surrounded and engulfed in the love of God and it is one of the most greatest blessings in my life and that's why I am making this podcast because God is alive and the more you try to live this life without him the more you deprive yourself from the joy it is to know him and be loved by him I'm not going to sit here and lie and tell you that serving God and getting to know him you know is is easy and it's not you know what I mean um, oftentimes I think people get confused because repentance, but also, you know, the fact that it's not by our works. Yes, God can save you your life by faith and grace and favor, but you cannot stay the same. You cannot stay the same. It's impossible. Like, yes, God will forgive you for your, for, from your sins, but you have to repent and repent means to completely turn away from your sin to abandon them. I could not keep smoking weed and being the girl that I was 
you know, once God had called me. And like I said, for years, it was a lot of back and forth between those two women, the woman I was, the woman that God called me to be, the woman that I was in sin, the woman that God wanted to call me in purity. And I fought so long trying to find a medium like, okay, Lord, I want to serve you, but I kind of want to do my own thing. I kind of want to do that. And I'm finally at a place in my life where I'm like, okay, I'm really ready to put that girl behind me. I'm really ready to put that person behind me. So when you have a true encounter with God, you will not be able to stay the same. But a lot of people don't even get to the encounter part because they don't even know that God exists and that he is real, that he is alive, that he sees you, that he loves you, that he longs to know you. I can't judge not one person in this life that lives in darkness because they live in ignorance. I was once in ignorance. I once didn't know if God was really real and I didn't really think if he was real, he was something that I could touch or reach or talk to. And God, he lives in dark places too. I love God not because of all the highs he has shown me, but because of all the lows that he have experienced with me. Like I said, there's not one dark moment, dark corner, dark time in my life where God was not present. Even when I pushed him away, even when I chose sin over him, he still chased me. He still longed for me. He still loved me. And sometimes he showed his love for me more in those moments than when I was doing good. So I don't want to discourage anybody like, oh, he sees me and now he sees all my flaws and mistakes. You know, absolutely not. God loves you and there's no darkness, no darkness that God cannot see you through, that God cannot heal in your life. So with that being said, I'm going to just begin to close by giving you some things to think about regarding God being real. So I just told you my testimony and some people might be inspired and get goosebumps and be like, hmm, maybe I should go for myself. And some people are going to be like, okay, but how do you know it's not a hallucination? How do you know it's not a feeling, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If God is real, why we can't see him, why he can't reveal himself to us? It's in the Bible that it literally says that we should not tempt God. Who are we as mankind to tell God that he has to prove himself to us, his, the created? I know that living this life just doesn't seem magical because we used to it. But if you really stop and think about the miracle of life itself, you can see that God is embedded in it. God exists. You cannot see wind, but you can feel it. You cannot see God but you can feel him. You can feel his presence. It's, it's that switch. It's that activation. You cannot see gravity, but your feet is on the ground. You can't see oxygen, but you can breathe. Away with this whole, if God is real, why we can't see him? Some of the most significant things in this life we cannot see. Gravity is significant. Without it, we all would be floating into space, dying because we can't breathe in space. There's no oxygen up there. Without oxygen, we wouldn't be able to breathe. These are things that we can't see, touch or touch or anything, but we can feel, but we live in it every day. You know what I mean? So take that into consideration. There are worlds and planets out there that you can't physically see. Does that mean they don't exist? You know what I mean? God is beyond our physical eye. People think that, you know, if God is God, he would be something to understand. But because God is God, he is un- he is something that is unexplainable and something your human mind cannot understand. There's so many aspects of life that I like literally my brain goes blank because that's the majesty and magnificence of God. God cannot be defined by how much your human brain can comprehend him. If your human brain could comprehend God, he wouldn't be God. 
the fact that you can't understand him or see him or you know what I mean unless you actually ask for him to reveal himself to you is confirmation of the very fact that he is God because he's unexplainable because he is the force behind everything in this life I saw this TikTok of this guy explaining how um, there's numbers in our DNA that translate in Hebrew words to a, a name, Yahweh, I think he said, and Yahweh is a translation for God. The name Yahweh literally means God. So God is embedded in our DNA. God is literally embedded in our DNA. I look at my daughter and I have no idea where she came from. Just a year or so ago, she did not exist. She wasn't a thought. She wasn't a plan. And now she is this living, breathing creature, you know, in front of me. And I don't know the thing that's in her that makes her alive. I don't have an extra pair of feet, eyes, and a soul sitting in my womb. You know, that is things that God created and put into her. And as I was pregnant, it was a Bible verse that says, man doesn't know the ways of the Lord, just like a woman doesn't know how a baby forms in her womb. God is a mystery. <laughs> just because something is a mystery doesn't mean that it doesn't exist we have to get away with that and then there's certain people that say well if God exists why does bad things happen because the devil exists you know what I mean and I hate that we live in a world where every like evil is glorified but good is not and when it comes to good good is like good is questioned but evil is not what I mean by that is like when you watch demonic movies like The Conjuring and Insidious, and, and if, you, if you're a Christian, you know you need to stay away from that stuff because it's real spirits behind that. I used to watch movies like that as a, te- as a teen, and it would spark fear, and the feeling of fear does not come from God. But those movies never once show God show up, you know, because those things are real. You know, demons are real, devils are real, angels are real, God is real. I'll be wondering, like, how come in those movies they never show God show up? You know what I mean? In the movies, they it might have a cross. I think The Nun, I've never watched it, but I think The Nun is a movie that's about a, a Catholic person. You know what I mean? And, but it's evil. It's twisted. You see what I'm saying? But when it comes to evil, of course, Satan is not going to show you the power of God. You see what I'm saying? If it was a demonic movie where at the end God showed up, it would change everything. But when it comes to, to the goodness of God, that's questioned. You see what I'm saying? When it comes to evil, nobody ever questions and stop to think, okay, if, it's the, if, if there's an evil force, there must be an opposite to contradict that, right? But when it comes to good, we question it. Well, if God is God, then why does bad thing happens? If God is good, then why does this because of evil? Do you not understand that both of them are just as real? You see what I'm saying? I hope I'm making sense. In, in evil know that there is good to contradict it and good know that there's evil to contradict it you see what i'm saying bad things happen because just like we have a god that watches out for us that wants our souls at the end of our lives we have an enemy that watches us and wants our souls at the end of our life and people who say if god exists why does bad things happen clearly doesn't know the reality of just the principles and things that really go on in the spiritual realm of this world. The Bible says we fight not against flesh and blood, but, you know, against spirits and principalities. And bad things happen because the devil exists and the devil wants us. He wants to be the one to throw the stone and then blame God for it. He wants to be the one casting the attacks in our lives and causing the, the chaos and trouble. And, and also, he is the very thing that burst that into this world through sin. Through the fall of Adam and Eve, he birthed trouble and chaos and pain into this world. 
And then he loves to twist it and make God's, God's creation ask him, okay, Lord, well, if you God, then why is this happening? Because he is the force behind it, not God. You know what I mean? And God is so powerful that even though those things exist in the, that world, you don't have to allow it to be an excuse to not believe in God nor want to serve him. You know why? Because Christianity ain't something that you just get to experience all the good parts. I was talking to this girl and she was saying like, if God is real, why did this abuse happen? Why did all this bad stuff happen? But the truth of the matter is, sweetheart, there's Christians out there. I know Joyce Meyer, she was sexually abused by her father and she is now a pastor preaching the, the word of God to everybody else. So away with this excuse that bad things happening is an excuse to not serve God, not want to serve God. We can find a way to allow God to glorify himself through our troubles and not allow our troubles to cause us to discredit him. So away with that excuse, away with the question if God is real when the very, the very reality of this existence, we're sitting on a, on a floating rock right now. What is keeping this rock in place? The sun is the perfect distance from earth so that we can get light but not burn up. What is that? Who put the moon there? Who put the stars there? How are actually human beings becoming living souls? Somebody explain that to me. How are human beings literally becoming living souls? How is wind and gravity present? And I'm not trying to hear, oh, well, science explains all that because this pastor literally said that atoms are things that make up living things, but there's this invisible force behind atoms that calls them to connect and to create, right? So think about that. I'm not trying to hear that. The Big Bang is not, the Big Bang is the very thing when God called creation to existence. The Big Bang is nothing but when God made something out of the void that was the earth that was the existence so i just want you guys to really think about that my daughter is awake so i want to wrap this up but the very reality that we are living in is truly a blessing sometimes we don't realize how this is literally we're in the matrix the movie the matrix is real this life is not really real it's a matrix it's temporal it's for a time it's a vapor it's fleeting you see what I'm saying? It, it, the magic and the, the majesty of it is proof that God exists. Every created thing has a creator. You know what I mean? And some things aren't going to be able, just because your human mind can't see, can't, can't, can't fathom, just because your human eye can't see, doesn't mean something don't exist. We don't see the Milky Way, but we know we're living in it. You see what I'm saying? We might not see every planet in the earth, I mean, in the, in the space, but we know it's there. We don't see oxygen, but we breathe. We don't see wind, but we feel it. We don't see gravity, but our feet are planted on the ground. We don't see how we even came to be in this world. We don't see that. You know, we don't see our birth to know that we were born. Away with this need to see to believe. No, you need to believe to see. If you want God to reveal himself to you, you have to first believe. Ask him to reveal himself to you. Ask him to show himself strong. Because the worst thing in the world is to deprive yourself from a life of God that you could have had. Experiencing his love and being able to live in eternity after this life with him. Like I said, I've lived three lives. I have three lives. The life before I was birthed into this earth. The life I have on this earth. And then the life I'm going to have after this. And I don't fear death. 
You know what I mean? I don't fear death. I would recommend that you go to YouTube and you look up testimonies of people talking about heaven and hell. It's this guy that was a, a devil worshiper who seen the light of God. Look all of this up on YouTube because I'm not the only one, boo. There's people who have, who have, who God has allowed to see the other side to come back and tell us about it. The Bible tells us that what's going to become after we die, what's going to become after this life. It's knowledge out there. Are we using it? Are we looking for it? Are we searching for it? So that is what I want to talk about on this podcast. I really hope that this podcast uh, inspired some people, helped some people. Uh, My Instagram will be in the description. If you have any um, counteract ideas, send them to me, boo, because I want to talk to you. Let's discuss this. Let's discuss the reality of God. Let's discuss the love of God. If you're also a Christian and have experience, let's discuss the goodness of God. Let's discuss it all, y'all. Hit me up on Instagram. I would love to talk about this with all of you. And I thank everyone who has listened to this podcast. I really pray and hope that this podcast has inspired you, that it has given you goosebumps because I have gotten goosebumps talking about it. And I really hope that I've just opened your perspective to see the reality of God all around you. Your very being is the reality of God. God literally lives in your DNA. (laughs) The atoms and plasma in your blood is proof. The fact that you are a living soul is proof. The fact that you came from somewhere to get to this earth is proof. The fact that you are living on this earth is proof. The fact that you're living in things that you can't comprehend, see, or understand how it got here is proof. I look in the eyes of my daughter and I see nothing but God. And I know that before she was birthed into this earth, she knew things that I didn't know while she was an angel in heaven. And I look at her and I have no clue how this little soul got here. I don't have an extra pair of eyes sitting in my stomach and a soul sitting within me. She grew and was formed by the very power and mysterious actions of God. And she is nothing short of a miracle. And so are you. And so am I. So let's discuss this. Let's talk about this. Again, I hope this inspires someone. This will probably be the long podcast, the longest podcast I've ever recorded. But I will see you guys in my next one. And stay in faith. Trust God. And most importantly, long to get to know him because he longs to love and know you. This is Nakia Antoinette, and I will see you guys in my next one. Hi, everyone um, who has tuned into this episode of Lost and Finding. I know that my last episode was a little bit longer. Um, that is not something that's going to be a permanent thing. I plan on making the episodes for this podcast 20 to 30 minutes at most, but nothing over 30 minutes. So with that being said, let's just jump into today's topic. It's going to be quite a quick one. Today is going to be all about the serenity of simply feeling. Um, I haven't been planning out these podcasts like I intended to. I've kind of just been going with my heart when I started this podcast. I knew that I kind of wanted to like sit down, you know, write my points, write my, you know, topic out um, from end to end and then come and, you know, give it to you guys. But these last, these last two podcasts, I have really been allowing my heart to just simply speak and that's what I'm doing today. But in the future, I will still be doing more 
kind of constructed podcast if you guys enjoyed the first episode more than this one and the last one um don't you know go away just yet because I will be having more put together podcasts in the future where I actually will have my points drawn out because I don't want to just make a podcast and I'm kind of like all over the place with my points but with that being said to celebrate the publication of my second book and my first self-help book when hope is absent the arthur copies are actually coming in the mail in the next day or so to celebrate that i'm going to talk about the serenity or the art of simply just allowing yourself to feel um this book what the biggest thing that i would want readers to take from this new book that i published is that sometimes healing is not always about self-improvement yes you should try to make progress in the areas where you have weak spots yes I'm not saying this you know completely throw away you know all the progress you have made I'm simply saying that sometimes we look at healing as like this thing that is um something we have to attain when sometimes healing is simply passive sometimes healing simply requires to be submissive you know, submissive to the things within our soul that needs our attention and not instead of always trying to just hurry up and fix it, hurry up and cover it or try to distract ourselves from feeling those things with self-improvement. For example, there's somebody out there right now that does everything right. You know, they do, they do everything right. They get up at 6 a.m., they work out, they you know, go to work or whatever responsibilities that they have, go to school if they're in college, um, you know, they have friends, they have a relationship, they maintain. On the outside, all of the things that they have co- accomplished will make you think that they are seemingly happy, but something on the inside could still desperately be lacking. Everything that I could say, just say it could be a mask for their trauma, you know what I mean? Because, you know, our growth doesn't necessarily heal your trauma some trauma sometimes it can be a mask for your trauma so today we're going to be talking about that especially like I said to celebrate my new book when hope is absent I really want people to see that sometimes healing is not always about trying to fix yourself you know what I mean um if I can just vent for a moment um just in general the last like four years of my life has seemingly been hard in different ways if I go back from like 2018 to to now every single year of my life was hard just in a different way you know um 18 year old me faced trials that was hard in a different way than 19 year old 19 year old me that was harder than you know 20 year old me and now I'm 21 and I'm preparing to be 22 this year and um I just realized that like not only did I realize because I got to experience both ends of I got to experience both sides of like healing right you know getting to a point where you're trying to uh, perfect your way out of your circumstances you know if you going through something okay I'm gonna start hitting the gym I'm gonna start reading every day I'm gonna start you know um trying to um go to school or trying to you know focus more on school and I'm gonna try to get the best job there is out there and you know and you do all those things and you realize once you get all those things like okay this still don't fulfill me there were certain things that I wanted to happen in my life and when they happened I realized like okay this still doesn't fulfill me like I still feel somewhat of emptiness and then also 
you know, like I said, allowing yourself to feel. There has been times when I have allowed myself to completely just soak and drown in my emotions and they became uncontrollable. So I had to find this like perfect balance of making progress where I allow myself to feel my feelings, but I also stay in control of them and I don't allow them to drown me. I say this because last night was a hard night for me. I got severely triggered by something and it really, really triggered me and um, as a young adult and as a teenager, I, I suffered from substance abuse. So instantly when I started to feel those emotions that I couldn't quite contr- control or contain, the first thing that came to my mind is like, oh my gosh, like I need some somewhere to put this. Like, I don't want to feel this. You know, I don't want to feel this right now. And in that moment, even though I already knew this, I came to this conclusion about myself a long time ago. In that moment, I realized what might have led me to substance abuse because sometimes some of us are going through things that are so heavy that we kind of need something to kind of transfer our pain and project our pain onto this is why people project onto other people you know this is why people project onto their kids and their husbands because most of the time the people that's close to us are the ones that get hit the hardest with our our own inner turmoil and things like that. So I, I do believe this is why somebody who hates themselves might pick on the flaws of other people. I do believe that this is why somebody that, you know, has been crippled by failure might discourage someone else's dream. I understand that someone that may feel, you know, betrayed or taken advantage of, I can see why they would take their anger out of someone else. No, that doesn't justify the behavior because as I said in my first podcast, somebody has to say, okay, it stops with me. Okay, it stops here. And I actually talk about that in in my book, how, you know, the same way the person that scarred you, scarred you because they're unhealed is the same reason why you need to heal so you don't go on and scar somebody else. Like the, the trauma has to end somewhere. So this is often why we project. Now, someone like me, I am an empath and I am very, very aware of other people's feelings, sometimes too much where I'd be more loyal to somebody else's feelings than my own. So I don't necessarily project onto other people because I don't have that kind of heart. I will will feel guilty and down about myself and, you know, worse and all of that stuff. But I projected or transferred my pain into things. And this is why I was talking about like how self-improvement sometimes doesn't always mean healing. You know, some people transfer their pain into working out and that's fine. That's healthy, but it's still, it might help, but you still got to do the emotional work. You know what I mean? Same thing with me and substances like, okay, you transferring your pain to the substance. That's only going to sustain you for so long until the substance become another thing that's stressing you out. You know what I mean? This is why I feel like people go into harder and harder and harder drugs because okay I need something stronger to take away the pain this isn't doing I need something stronger I need something stronger I need something to the point where it completely just take over their life so we have to get a get to a place of comfortability at first I was gonna say maturity but I, I don't really think it's maturity I think it's comfortability I said um this sentence in my book I said that you know um confronting your emotions and being vulnerable and confronting the responsibility of handling your emotions is something that requires pure delicacy understanding patience and love you have to be 
patient with you. You see what I'm saying? You have to be so careful when confronting these parts of yourself. You know, because often how other people treat these parts of us shapes how we treat these parts of us. If we tell a parent or a, a, a sibling or a friend some things that might be going on with us and they just completely ignore us and start talking about what they're going through, that might cause us to say, okay, what I'm going through isn't important enough, you know, to confront. So I'm not even going to confront it with confront it within myself. If we confront our issues to, you know, people around us and let's say somebody say, well, it could be worse. Now we're feeling guilty. So now we don't confront our emotions because we feel like we don't have a right to feel them. We don't have a right to be angry, upset because there's people going through things that are worse, you know, and just the same people that have people around them that actually listens to them and, you know, just hear them out, accept their emotions without trying to fix that person or tell them how they should make that situation better. These are the people that are so comfortable in themselves that they can be honest and vulnerable with themselves. And they're, they're not afraid to confront their emotional wounds. They're not afraid to confront and be honest about what is going on inside of them. So this is why you have to be so delicate because depending on the environment that is around you and how it made you look at vulnerability, you know what I mean? That's going to really affect how you exploit vulnerability within yourself. So be patient with yourself. Don't go rushing, trying to fix yourself. You know what I mean? I'm feeling down. I'm feeling depressed. Um, I need to get into my work more. I need to work out more. I need to do something distracting. I need to read more. I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to um, get fit. I need to, you know, make new friends. I need to find someone new to love me. I, I, I need to, um, you know what I mean? Just just show people what they lost by improving. I, I need to, you know what I mean? Just, just grind harder. That's going to fix all the pain. I need more money. That's what my problem is. When I get more money, that's going to fix it. And truth be told, the only thing that's going to fix it is filling it. So I'll say that again. The only thing that's going to fix it is filling it. That is the first step. Okay, that's just the first step. And maybe I'll talk it. We'll explore the different steps of this process in another episode. But sometimes the only way to fix it is to fill it. Feel the loss and the grief from that breakup feel the anger from that betrayal feel the shame from that mockery and humiliation and that bad decision you made you know feel that rejection feel that abandonment you know feel that 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 sense of failure that you feel feel that you know that loneliness you know feel that 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 emptiness feel that emotion of being lost, you know, feel what you need to feel so you can heal. Sometimes I feel like healing sometimes is just simply being still. And I don't, I'm not even trying to rhyme like this, but sometimes healing is just being still and allowing yourself to just breathe, just cry, just be. I've gotten to a point where my vulnerabilities have been exploited by so many people around me like my ex literally used to take the secrets and things I would tell him about me and literally use them against me in an an argument and you know I didn't have a I didn't have a strong support system growing up so I kind of just had to figure out things for myself so as I became an adult I started to realize that vulnerability makes you weak okay um vulnerability 
makes you, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Vulnerable, I guess, you know, it makes you just an easy target. It makes you weak. It makes you easy to get manipulated. And it became something about myself that I began to hate, right? I be, I, I literally last night when I was having that moment, I was in my room by myself right? Nobody else here to judge me. Nobody knows what's going on. And I felt myself about to cry. And instantly I said, no, I'm not crying because that's weakness. And I'm tired of of feeling weak and I'm tired of allowing other people to, to weaken me. And I'm tired of, you know what I mean? I'm just, I don't want to be weak. I don't want to be weak. I'm going to hold my tears in as if somebody's here to judge or see me. So this is why we have to be so careful with ourselves because some of us, like vulnerability has shamed us. Vulnerability has scarred us to the point where the very thought of being vulnerable, even with ourselves, is frightening. It's foreign. It's unnatural. It's, it's, it's terrifying. It's, it's weakness. You know, it's something that's shamed upon. You know, I know that a lot of families don't really talk about the things that matter. A lot of people don't talk about the things that matter. You go to work, it's the basics. How's the weather? How's it going? How's your kids? How's your husband? This funny thing that happened at work. This, this, this. You know, you come home, unless you have that support system, it's the same conversations. And we never talk about or discuss the things that's deeper, that's going in within us. And we're all just kind of trying to figure it out. You know, a lot of young people today, you know, we have social media where we have so much connection that we have so much disconnection. You know what I mean? I can go on social media and talk to somebody that's like in India somewhere and feel more alone. You know, I can go on the internet and see thousands of different people in different seasons of their lives and feel so alone in my circumstances because it doesn't look like anybody is suffering like me. It doesn't look like anybody is going through what I'm going through. It doesn't look like anybody can relate to me. And having nobody to relate to, that alone can make you feel alone. You know, sometimes when I get really down, I have to remind myself that even if I don't see that person, it's somebody out there going through what I'm going through and I'm not alone. I um, recently came across this YouTube comment that I made um, on this woman having um, her baby. And I was doing research, preparing my body for childbirth when I was pregnant with my daughter and um, I had went back and um, found the comment that I had made. It was just one random day I ended up finding it. And it had got like 700 likes and a few comments. And I was like, oh, you know, it's probably other moms like, you know, asking me how it went, how childbirth went. And I read the comments and it was a bunch of people saying like, wow, you wasted your life. Like, wow, you had a baby so young. Like, you literally wasted your life. Like, why would you do that to yourself? Why are you proud of that? Why are you proud to be a mom so young? Why are you this? Why are you that? Why are you this, 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 and the other? Why are you, why are you, why are you? You know what I mean? And it's just like, first of all, you know, well, let me say this first. I'm going to say this first. I know that I'm not the only woman out there who, you know, got pregnant at a young age. And I'm not the only one that's dealing with the shame, you know, from that I don't even feel any shame until I realize that compared you know compared to society that is something I should be shameful about that I got pregnant so young as if that's something that I would have written in for me 
you know, I was in a relationship, a committed relationship at that. I wasn't out sleeping around. I was in a committed, almost two-year relationship with somebody that I was engaged to. I was engaged to get married. I saw me building a life with this person. I saw me being with this person for the rest of my life. I truly did think that this person was the person I was meant to be with, you know. We were careful, but mistakes happened, and uh, and something happened, and this became the reality, and I chose to keep my baby. I chose to have my daughter, and that alone was a very tough decision to make because finding out I was pregnant, I realized that there was no, no choice in that situation that I could have made that wouldn't have wound, changed, or transformed me and my life, you know? Keeping the baby was going to change things. Getting rid of the baby was going to change things. I chose to keep my daughter because I decided that if this situation happened because of me, I'm going to choose her. I'm going to stand up and choose her. I'm going to stand up to this situation. I'm not going to back down. You see what I'm saying? I chose to have my baby. And I think that's a very noble choice. But compared to somebody else, I wasted my 20s. I wasted my life. And this is people that in their own lives who probably won't admit it has made mistakes. So now I'm alienated, you know, me seemingly being vulnerable about something I thought was good news. You know, me just sharing my experience with childbirth and stuff has turned into something that, you know, just was further buried by shame and the cycle continues. So now this is how we begin to feel alienated and our suffering and our situations in our lives. No, nobody looks like me. Nobody's going through what I'm going through. Nobody understands. Nobody relates. Nobody connects. You know, even if our fa- in our families, if we do have people that may have went through some of the similar things, you know, it's not that deep for, where we're comfortable enough as a family to talk about it. It's just the basics. How's the weather? How are you doing? How's the kids? How's the husband? Nobody really comes to say, how are you really doing? Like, what is really going on with you? And if you have people like that in your life, God bless you because you are blessed. And I think that that's the biggest, that's one of the biggest blessings we can have in life is people that really care about us. People that genuinely genuinely love us. People that genuinely care about our well-being. You know, I don't think you realize until you become an adult how little supply good people with good intentions truly is. I said that in my book that like, you know, a a pure heart home with good intentions is pure gold. That's something that you will never forget. A pretty face is is a dime a dozen, but nobody ever forgets that person that they met that came into their lives with pure intentions, that came into their lives trying to genuinely love them, comfort them, be there for them. Nobody ever forgets that person. Oh, a pretty face, you know, you might remember it for the night. A little bit the next morning, but you see another pretty face, you're going to forget about it. But nobody ever forgets about the person that was just a genuine hearted person. And sometimes if we don't have that type of, you know, if we don't have those type of people in our lives, we have to be that for ourselves. And let me say that because um, oftentimes I think that sometimes people who are empaths and stuff, we think our job is to fix everybody and be there for everybody. No. How about you start with you? Don't start with who else you can fix. Don't start with a family member, a friend, a, a, a partner. No, how about you start with you? How about you start being that caring person that you're looking for to yourself? And that simply starts with listening. What do most people look for in relationships? Somebody who will listen. 
Women say that all the time. I just want a man who listens to me. How about you listen to you? How about you be there for you? How about instead of looking for a man to compliment you, you compliment yourself. You did good today. You did good today. You look beautiful. You know, I'm proud of you. You know what I mean? If you're sad and you know you want your man to comfort you, how about you comfort you? What's going on? How can I make you feel better? Can I make you a cup of tea? You know, say this to yourself. Can, can I run you a warm hot bath? Do you want to just kind of sit in silence and really figure out what you're feeling? You know, maybe do you want to reach for God? And I do recommend that if you're going through something, you do, you know, spend time with God and go to him because he's truly the only one that can fix you. But I'm talking about taking steps towards healing in a practical sense, you know? Be that person for you. Everybody wants friends that's there for them, that listens, they can go out and do fun things. Well, how about you do that with you? Take yourself to the movies. That's something I did when I first um, became an adult. I spent a lot of alone time with me. I actually bought um, myself a ticket to go to New York City by myself because I was determined to just be there for me. I told myself, well, since I have become my world, I promise to show myself it. You know what I mean? Since I'm the only person that's in my world, I'm isolated right now. I don't have any friends, family, a partner. I'm going to just make my own, make myself my world and show myself the world. And that's something I had said to myself. And, you know, like I said, being on both extremes of drowning in emotion and trying to kind of progress my life out of pain, I've come to this balanced place where some nights I need to feel my feelings some nights I need to fight my feelings you know some nights if it's too heavy and I I, I don't have it in me to be strong that's okay be weak be soft be vulnerable but those nights when I know that my thoughts is just doing whatever it can to to get me down that's when I gotta fight back you know when I'm trying to make progress and you know and I'm getting doubtful and fearful that's when I gotta fight back but those nights when maybe old traumas and pains, you know, just come up and you get extremely triggered and, you know, you're alone and it's tough, allow yourself to feel because that's how you heal. And it's nothing wrong with feeling and it's nothing wrong with just being and it's nothing wrong with saying that hurts. You know what I mean? Um, sometimes I get to these like places with God and when I first like ran into God like the true living God and I knew God responded and talks and you know really does care about your everyday life um I prided myself on honesty being honest with him and last night I was honest with him and I told him like you know I don't really care about why I'm going through what I'm going through and how it's supposed to help me and how I'm supposed to go for this hurts I'm tired of it I'm tired of feeling like this like this hurts I'm irritated, I'm angry, I'm sad. You know, it seems like the people that hurt me didn't face any consequence. I'm tired of going through the same thing. I'm, I'm tired of, you know, just whatever I was going through. I'm not going to say specifically because that's between me and God. But I let God know how I was really feeling. And I think sometimes we forget that we don't have to lie to him. He knows how we feel anyway. And, and whether we admit our emotions or not, he, he knows. And it's not going to hurt him if we're just honest. And, and it's, honestly, it's not going to change it either. Even if we say to God, this irritates me, this gets on my nerves, I'm tired of dealing with this. You know what I mean? Venting might feel a little, make you feel a little bit better. But 
ultimately if that's where God wants you to be going through you're going to be going through it and I I mean that in the most mature way possible to somebody that may just be getting introduced to God that may make you be like uh he don't sound like something I want to you know get close to but this is the reality you know I've been following God for four years it's been many ups and downs I can't even lie I haven't been the perfect daughter you know what I mean? But I reached a place of maturity where I know that just because I'm tired of going through something, if it's not God's will for it to come out of my life, it's not going to come out of my life. And that's just the truth. And I also know that, you know, if I'm feeling angry, I can say that. If I'm feeling sad, I can say that because ultimately he knows it anyway. And um, I'm trying to reach this place of softness within myself where I allow myself to be vulnerable again because um, I would never forget my mom said something to me one day. Um, she asked me for a hug. And she was like, you used to be super touchy-feely and lovey. And, you know, what happened? And when she said that, I just was like, <laughs> yeah. Like, that side of myself completely is dead. Like, I really am a loving person. Ever since I was a young girl, you know, I used to be all up under my mom. I used to you know, try to be there as much as I could for my sister, both of my sisters, you know, when I was younger, um, my oldest sister was already out the house by then. But when I was younger, my middle sister, you know, I used to try to, you know, just be everything that she needed me to be for her. And I tried to like, you know, be under my mom all the time. And I remember with my grandmother, if I had any type of money, I could have $5 in my pocket. I would go and buy her something to eat and, you know, bring it to her, you know, because I would go to go to her house after school. And when I was in school, I used to share whatever I had with people. I remember I was like, my mom used to give me an allowance when I was younger. And, you know, everybody at my school used to always ask me, could I buy them slushies? It was this lady that used to sell slushies on the campus of my school, my elementary school. And I used to buy everybody slushies and I didn't even think like these people could be using me. Like I'm not going to have any money left for myself. I didn't care. You know, I, I love to help people. I love to give to people. It's just always been within me. Um, you know, from a very young age in all of my relationships, I've been super giving. I can't say I've been perfect, but I've definitely been a giver my entire life to the point where it's self-sacrificial and it's not healthy. And part of me used to give so, you know, selflessly because I was hoping that maybe if I show people how I wanted to be treated by the way I treated them, that they would return that. But I soon learned that that doesn't necessarily mean that people are going to return, you know, that same kindness and love to you that you show to them. And that is the main thing that really killed a lot of kindness that I had in my heart, you know, getting betrayed and manipulated and backstabbed and, you know, looked down upon and mocked and taken advantage of that killed a lot of, a lot of the good nature in me. And I'm not a bad person. Like, I don't go out here just hurting people. But I don't really help people anymore. I don't really give anymore. I don't really tell people what's going on with me. I don't really talk to people. I don't call people, see how they're doing. I don't do nice things for people. You know, I I just kind of stay to myself. And that's why, because in the past, those experiences really changed me. They really, really changed me. And so now it's to the point where... I don't even allow myself to be vulnerable within, you know what I mean? Literally, I was in my room about to cry and I was like, no, you know, that's weakness. Don't do that. And nobody's here to judge me. 
except for my little dog, Cutie, but she's not going to judge me. You know, nobody's going to judge me. And sometimes I don't even want to be vulnerable before God. And if, if for a moment we can just be completely transparent and honest, I hope there's some like other young Christians out there listening to this. It is so hard. It is so hard. It is hard. Okay. Um, being a Christian is hard. You know, um, like I said last night when I was feeling those emotions, I realized why I had turned to substance abuse because when I would feel like that, I would go and smoke and I'll feel better. I'll drink and I'll feel better. And I didn't have to deal with it. And, you know, when you, when you're a Christian, you can't put your pain into other things because it's wrong and it's hard. It's so hard. And, and oftentimes when you're a Christian, I feel like God puts more weight on you than he does on regular people. You know, it's like, it's almost like the people that hurt me, God puts more pressure on my shoulders to forgive them and be good for and be good to them and like still, you know, be there for them than he does to put on them to change. And I don't know if nobody else experiences that, but man, it is hard. Like a lot of the people that never looked out for me, God tells me like, you know, you need to keep looking out for them. And I'm like, come on now, that's not going to happen. Like, and that's because I've learned to guard my heart. And the Bible says to guard your heart, but I don't think it meant the way I meant it. But I, right now, I'm not even going to say it in a way where like it's meant to be inspirational. I'm at a place where I'm going to guard my heart um, until I personally feel like I meet someone with the intentions that is worth breaking those walls down for. You know what I mean? I'm just, I know that I have a huge capacity to love and give and not everybody is worthy of that. And um, yeah, so I'm very shielded. I'm very guarded. And I am currently in the midst of trying to return home to my vulnerability and making a home. A, a, a home is something that is supposed to be a safe place, a private place a place of unveiling you know you you get in the shower at home you take off your clothes you unwind you let loose it's, it's where you go if you're in trouble it's where you go if you go if you're in danger it's where you go when you're scared I'm going home so trying to embody that within myself have a place within myself that's private that's just between like me and God and sometimes I wish it was just between me and me um not to discredit God but you know it just hurts to know like okay I feel this way and you know, God is still saying, like, I can't come out of this situation just yet. But I'm sitting here like, God, this hurts. Like, I don't want to feel like this. And sometimes you get to a place where you don't even want to be sad or, you know, sorrowful about those things in front of God. Because it hurts even more to know that he sees you. But that doesn't mean that it's time for things to change just yet. And this is just pure vulnerability and transparency. And, you know, that's what this is about. So, Yes, it is very, very hard, but I'm trying to embody that place of privacy and unveiling and safety within myself. My heart, since I was a little girl, never really had a safe place to kind of beat. And I'm trying to make a safe place within myself where my heart can beat and be free and I can be vulnerable and I can feel. And, you know, as a kid, I used to listen to like, as a kid, I, I was so much more free you know I didn't have a place of safety but it wasn't until I became an adult and I became aware that I didn't have a place of safety it really bothered me and I do recognize that this this podcast is getting over um 
30 minutes, but I'm going to wrap this up. I'm just going to simply say that as a child, you know, I didn't have a place of safety, but I didn't know it yet. So it didn't bother me. You know, I used to listen to whatever I like to listen to, what music I like to listen to. I have a bunch of art journals where I just, you know, wrote and let my heart say what it needs to say. I drew, even if it was good or bad. I painted. I I was myself around other people. You know, in high school, I just had this, like, thing about me. Everybody that knew me was like, I just love, you know, your energy. I just love your spirit. I, I was the person that was either making somebody laugh or always laughing. And I just was so full of life. And, you know, the and when I became an adult and like the early adulthood traumas and experiences really scarred me, I lost a lot of that luster and wonder that I had within myself because I realized like, oh my God, it's not safe out here. Like, you know, you know, I used to laugh with people that, you know, wasn't people I should have even been around. So now as an adult, I can't even laugh. You know, I'm too self-conscious and aware of my surroundings where I don't allow myself to just be around anybody you know sometimes I don't even allow myself to like certain music or express myself in certain ways creatively because I know society wouldn't you know what I mean approve of this or you know my friends wouldn't approve of this or my partner wouldn't approve of this or my family wouldn't approve of this or etc etc so I hope this podcast helps someone just to kind of realize that sometimes you just got to feel it. You got to feel it. You got to just let it flow. You got to let it hurt, especially if you're a recovering substance abuse user like me. The only and main reason why a lot of people do drugs is to escape a false sense of escapism. And I talked about that in the first episode. And so when you're trying to heal for real, you get to a place where you're like, okay, I got to feel it because I can't put it in anything else. Like I got to feel it. I got to deal with it. And some days you're strong enough to fight back and deal with it. And some days it's overwhelming. You just have to let it deal with you and you have to just let yourself feel it. So yeah, let's practice the art of just being for the rest of this week. Today is Sunday. It's the beginning of a new week. I challenge you for this entire week to let yourself just feel. If you're angry, don't try to just put, push it off. Let yourself feel. If you're at an outing with a friend and they said something that insults you and upsets you, I dare you to, I dare, I dare you to speak on it. I dare you to say, uh-uh, Susie, that hurts me. Uh-uh, Brad. <laughs> uh-uh, Brad, what you just said kind of bothered me a little bit. You know, if you don't feel like going out and being social, I dare you to stand on that. I dare you to cancel plans at the last minute, no matter who it disappoints. I dare you. You know, if your partner is stressing you out and you're kind of like, you know what, I can't feel around this person. I can't be vulnerable around this person. I dare you to tell them that. I dare you to be vulnerable and I dare you to allow yourself to really be aligned with what your soul is telling you. Your soul has a way of telling you what it needs. That's why around certain people, your energy is is disturbed. You know, that's why you know things about people even even when you don't know. You know when somebody's cheating on you, even if you haven't seen the evidence because the energy. You know when people are talking about you because you sense the energy, even when you don't hear them talking. You know when somebody around you doesn't mean you mean you any good, even if every time you see them, they're smiling. You know, your soul has a way. 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 So I challenge you this week to be vulnerable enough to be aligned with your true emotions, your soul, your spirit, your body. If your body is telling you to rest and you're a workaholic, I challenge you to rest. If you struggle with, you know, procrastination, your body's telling you to get up and move. I dare you to do it. I dare you. I challenge you. So I really hope this podcast helps someone. 
Um, Let me know what you guys think about it on my Instagram. And if you would like a free copy of my new book, When Hope is Absent, it will be um, a little link in my bio. If not, just hit me up in my DMs on Instagram where you can submit for a free copy from me. Or you can buy it on Instagram if you want to support. But if you want just a copy and you don't have the money right now, I totally understand. Shoot me a DM, click that link, and I will send you a free copy of my new book and my poetry book if you want it for no charge. Because I really don't care about the money. I really just want to connect, help, and heal with other young women like me. Because there's not a lot of young women like me that's on the path that I'm on. A lot of young women right now are are, are are out partying and they don't have kids and they're just being wild and free. They're in college. I'm doing none of those things. You see what I'm saying? I'm not out partying. I'm trying to live for God. I'm trying to find my purpose and walk in my purpose. I'm trying to build a career. I'm trying to raise my daughter. So my path often feels so isolated and so unique that I can't just relate to anybody else. So this is for you. This is for the young girls out there like me that's just, you know, pain caused you to mature a little bit earlier. You have some regrets in life. You have some mistakes in life that you can't take back, that you're just trying to move forward from. Um, This is for you. So if you would like a free copy of my book or you just want to talk to me and touch bases with me, um, follow me on Instagram at Nakia. I would put it in the description of this podcast. I hope you guys have an amazing night. And remember that you are loved, you are worthy, and you were meant to be here. So I will see you guys in my next episode. Have a wonderful evening.